Welcome to Why in the World. My name is Ben Shepherd. Firstly, massive thank you to you if you've managed to rate and review the show over the past couple of weeks. We've seen a nice little upsurge in the ratings on Apple Podcasts and it's really helped us out in the charts. So thank you so much to you if you are one of those people that has rated and reviewed. If you haven't managed to do it yet, please get that done for us if you're enjoying the show. It does really, really help us out and it helps us keep bringing you the biggest and best guests that we can. Now, with that in mind, today's guest is an absolute corker. His name is Jamie Ramsey. He is a British adventurer who packed in his job in the big city to spend more time in the outdoors doing what he loves. He's completed some incredible feats of endurance right across the globe, including a 17,000 kilometre run. Jamie Ramsey is on Why in the World. How are you, buddy? I'm very well. Thank you very much for uh, having me here today. You're uh, you're kind of enthralled by the equipment. You just keep looking at me like, oh, it's very posh. It is very amazing, your <laughs> setup. I've uh, done a few podcasts, but you never get to see the flashy lights and the everything. So it's quite... I'm a bit of a tech geek. Just give us a little kind of backstory and summary to some of the things you've done and some of the amazing challenges that you've uh, you've achieved over the past... Um, well, years now. Yeah, well it's, well, it's only about five and a half years since I actually started doing proper adventuring. Before that, I worked in the city of London. I'd say my first big adventure was a 240-kilometer run in Vietnam. As I described it last night, it was like the spark that um, ignited my life in adventuring. And I'd done, I think, what a lot of athletes do is I started off with a 5k run then I did a 10k run then I did a half marathon and I just kept going up and because it is a little bit like a drug mm. so every time you've done something you want to do something bigger and then something bigger and I got to the point of a 240k run uns- uh, unsupported through a jungle in uh, Vietnam it's sort of like the MDS mm. but and uh, it got cancelled a month before mm. I was meant to go out there and uh, I thought wait a minute well first I was pretty pretty upset by the whole thing but then I sat down and I thought wait I've done the training I've got the kit I bought the flight I started raising money what's to stop me going to Vietnam and running anyway so I flew out to Da Nang and just ran 240k down the main roads with a backpack on and uh, it was at the end of that that sparked something in me and sadly I wasn't strong enough to hold on to that spark at that time and it kind of died out and then uh, a year later I kind of went back to that feeling of fulfillment satisfaction happiness and then use that as the inspiration to run 17,000 kilometers from Canada to Buenos Aires Um, so that was my next big adventure that was 367 days of running averaging about 46 and a half kilometers a day across two continents 14 countries yeah I say 367 days I used to work in PR so um, (laughs) it was actually about 15 months I took days off I'm one of the things I'm very passionate about is I don't do firsts I don't do records everything I do is because I want to do it Mm. Um, so things like doing that I came home for my sister's wedding and then went back out and carried on and because I think family and just general things in life are more important than chasing a name in a a book or something Mm. Uh, So when I got back from running the Americas, having been away for a year and a half, I was sitting in London thinking this is completely against everything I've been doing. I'm not enjoying this. Uh, I'm getting really itchy feet. So I decided to put my own spin on the Three Peaks Challenge. 
obviously seen lots of friends do it in cars. I love um, this one, by the way. <laughs> I love this one. That's actually that's the this, the last time I was in Liverpool was on this run. Was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so, love it. Um, yeah, so I basically looked at the three peaks and thought, right, I'll climb up Ben Nevis, run to Scaffold Pike, climb Scaffold Pike, run to Snowdon. It was just me putting my spin on something. I put a backpack on with a tent and a sleeping bag and my food, and I just ran solo, unsupported. It took me 13 days, 23 hours and 40 minutes. Kind of as I was getting towards the end, I was like, I can do this under two weeks. And mm. And it was about a year later that someone rang, uh, emailed and said, oh, I'm going to try and break your record. And I was like, what record? Then that like, was one. It was like, yeah, you got the record for the three weeks running. And I was like, oh, okay, well. And it was actually because I was the first person who had ever done it. Uh, and obviously it helped the guy uh, as much as I could, a guy called Mark Chase, uh, who's a, a lovely guy. Uh, he went and smashed my record. <laughs> and then I, uh, I feel quite good that someone else went and smashed his record. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I did that. Then I did the running. I ran the, the Scottish Isles. I may not sound it, but I'm Scottish. So I went to Vatasay in the south of uh, the Outer Hebrides and ran from the bottom of the Outer Hebrides to the top. And then it's bizarre. I didn't When I was look, planning it, it didn't look long enough. So I also added on running around the top of Isle of Skye and then right the way down to the bottom great little uh, time on that was when I got to Portree on the Isle of Skye there was all these people milling around and I was like what what is going on and it was the Portree um, Isle of Skye Highland Games oh sick and I went along and I was like this is amazing and it was like properly like what you see in like Braveheart uh, it was like <laughs> this like the, the amphitheatre thing was the rocks and big men in kilts throwing stuff quick break from running to go and toss a cave type well thing. no I, while I was there I heard them talking about the eight lap challenge running around the eight laps and I entered, I'd already run 32k that day with about 15 to 20 kilos on my back arrived entered the eight lap race did the eight lap race came last and then put my backpack on and then ran another 25k in the afternoon uh but it was uh, and i told them i was doing it for charity and they were like he's running this for calm which is a male suicide charity and they read that out and it was a really cool support that's sick after that i realized what am i achieving at the moment i ran i've done a lot of running i've proved i can run i proved i got the mental uh, strength to do this multi-day stuff I need to change because I'm not growing as a athlete or a, or a person so I looked to, to cycle packing or bike packing and uh, never done bike well I'd done a small bike pack because when I got back from when I got back from running the Americas my sister had taken my bike from London to Edinburgh so I went to Edinburgh and cycled it back to London um, in February so I went from 40 degrees and Buenos Aires to uh, my hair freezing to the side of a tent in uh, in Scotland but I'd never done proper bikepacking so I got all the kit together and then cycled from my house to Victoria Station got a train to Gatwick bought a box put the bike in the box in the airport flew to Sao Paulo put the bike back together and then cycled across Brazil across Paraguay and over the Andes in Bolivia and the salt flats of uni and that was just an incredible journey. Yes. I absolutely some of the love photos that. and things from that are yeah. Well, a lot, lot of, and I, I kind of love that a lot of the stuff I do is I don't really plan it. Mm. So I didn't plan that when I got to the salt flats of Uni, uh, which are the largest salt flats in the world, I didn't realise they had a wet season. So I got there and it was flooded with about six inches of water on the top, and then I had to cycle across that with the whole of the sky just perfectly reflected in the water 
and it was just it was just the most majestic thing mm. I remember cycled through and it was so alien to and I was I was listening to James Bond on an audiobook it's just like the most surreal kind of thing Hugh Bonneville's voice ringing in my head but uh, I did that and then I came back and I got asked to go and join in a, a camel expedition in Mongolia and that was just a, a girl on Facebook sent me a message saying we're looking for some people to come and help are you around you have to self-fund it and I was like I don't have anything else going on. I've never been to Mongolia, never done any with camels. So I did that. And then I got into trail running. Uh, did the Transalpine in 2017. Uh, my partner got injured on day five. So I finished that one. I actually, was, that was really cool because I finished with the elites. That's I got cool. to go with Sondre Amdal. He yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, a leg- he's a legend for me. And I got to run with him, which was pretty cool. And then I did... Uh, the Cape Wrath Ultra, which is uh, from Fort William to Cape Wrath, uh, or Cape Roth, I think is how you meant to say it. Um, that was 400k in eight days. Yeah, that was my the most heroic and the most stupid thing I've ever done. Mm. So I got to the end of day four, I'd sprained my ankle, twisted my ankle, couldn't walk. And uh, the next day, I, I looked at the, the standings and I was in third place. And I was like, oh, you guys can't be happening. So I woke up the next day and was hobbling along. Everyone overtaking me saying, oh this is so sad to see and I was like yeah it really is thanks it's not helping and luckily I don't know how I found a pub in the middle of nowhere and I went in and I had a pint and I was like this is not how this ends and I knew there was a GP so I ran out and I was like right has anyone got drugs and uh, it's amazing trail runners like people go yeah we've got tramadol and I was like well, we're not going that route um, so I found not that, yeah, not that hardcore I like to kind of keep my sanity so I found some cocodamol said to the doctor, I said, can you prescribe me for a, a few days? And uh, he gave me the stuff. And I ran for the next four days and ended third overall, having not been able, every night I couldn't walk. So that was uh, an experience. That was my hero moment. And then it's kind of screwed up my ankle ever since then. Last year, I decided to do some lots of different things. So I climbed Aconcagua in January, which was 6,962 meters. It's in Argentina. It's the highest peak uh, in the southern and western hemisphere, one of the seven summits. Then I went to America, trekked 800 kilometers across Utah, uh, wilderness trekking, which is something I'd never done. So like going slowly was the challenge there. And there was no, it's not like there aren't shops. I think in the whole 36 days, there were three places you could buy stuff. So you have to carry a lot of weight on your back. And then I ran across Iceland in July, which was 620K in in 12 days, lot, we learned lots of valuable lessons on that one about myself and about how I like to adventure. I met a guy who was running and he was injured and a friend came out and was running and he hadn't quite done the, the same level of training and it really hindered my performance and I realized how how important the performance side is to me. Mm. Um, I can remember I changed my Instagram feed. My title, my profile was Endurance Adventure Athlete. And when I got back from Iceland, I changed it to Solo Endurance Adventure Athlete um, because I realized that I can't perform if I'm with other people who are not. You need to be with people who are stronger than you to make you perform better. Always be the chaser and never yeah. be the one being chased. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, And then I went to Australia and cycled from Melbourne Airport. So I arrived at Melbourne Airport at six in the morning, built my bike and cycled round the Great Ocean Road up through Adelaide. 
Then Alice Springs to Darwin, that was 4,000 kilometres in 25 days. So. And now you're sitting on a bed in Liverpool. Now I'm sitting on a bed in Liverpool. This is the highlights <laughs> of life. Actually, Liverpool is lovely. I, I, city, I had right? never realised that. It's a good city. Liverpool 1 or whatever it's called. Yeah, it's beautiful yeah. around here. You've packed a lot into five and a half years. That's, I worked it out the other day. It's pretty much 31,000 kilometres of adventuring in five years, which I worked out to be something ridiculous like per day. And that doesn't take into account any of the training. So, it's um, mad, man. But it just shows what the body can do. Are you tired? Am I tired? Do you know what? I get tired when I'm not doing anything. Because mm, you just don't stop. It's like thing after thing after thing after yeah. thing. Well, that's what it feels like anyway. Like just rattling off that list yep. is enormous. And there are downsides to that. Mm. And I really noticed it last year. When you're doing this as a, in kind of inverted commas, career, you feel a pressure to be always doing stuff. And I think one of the things I find is, and I tell people not to do this, is never compare yourself to other people, but you always do when it's your world. So you're sitting there going, that one person is doing this thing, this person is doing this thing, this person is doing this thing. And then I stupidly go, well, I'm gonna do them all, and I'm gonna do them all in one year. Together, back to back, backwards. Yeah, and what, what I realized was, by the time I got to Iceland, the wonder had gone a little bit. Okay. And then during Australia, it had gone a little, a little bit as well. And by the t- I was meant to be doing Madagascar and I got injured and I went out there and I was, even though I couldn't run, I went all the way to the start line just because I was feeling I had to do it. Mm. And it, took, it was a really hard decision to cancel that. And then it was a hard processing to, because it was the first time I'd ever failed in my, what I would call failing. Yeah. So I had to process that, but it was more the kind of, why were you trying to do so many adventures in one year? What what are you trying to prove from that? What are you trying to learn from that? Mm. Now I'm much more like kind of, okay, so I'm going to do this and this. Okay. And then I think two big adventures is probably enough a year. A bit more selective. Yeah, a little bit. just going boom, 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 boom. Yeah. And actually I think, you know, I've hit 40. So maybe I wanted to cultivate some other things in my life. You know, I know that I'm not going to be able to do this forever in a, in a work capacity. Mm. So I need to build something that's going to give me satisfaction on a long-term basis. And that will be relationships, that will be work. You know, at the moment I choose my life very, it's very around what makes me happy. But I know that that is not going to last forever in the way that I'm doing at the moment. That so. feeling of what makes you happy then, was that sort of the catalyst, I suppose, of leaving the big city, leaving London and going to do these things? I think like lots of people, young lad, goes to school, goes to university, looks around, thinks, dad worked in the city, I should work in the city. So I, my brothers worked in the city, got a job, it paid me money, the money kept going up, I got trapped in that little world. And... You know, I'm quite quite open to say I wasn't brave enough to move out of that world. And uh, for 12 years, I sat in this job, got made partner. But what I realized is that I hated it so much. Not hate's a strong word. You can see other people doing the job and they love it and they're good at it and they get satisfaction from it. But I wasn't one of those people. So I was in the wrong job as opposed to it being a bad job. I kind of realized that because I was so un- dissatisfied and unfulfilled from the whole thing that I was looking for releases another way so I would be that guy who would cycle to the gym go to the gym go to work then go to the gym at lunch then cycle home um, but then I would then go to the pub and get absolutely pissed out of my head 
and then do it all again the next mm. day. And when you're doing PR, it's quite easy to hide going out for a pint at lunch and because you're networking and stuff. So um, then there was one night when I went out with my mates and we were about like three, four in the morning, stumbled out onto the street and I was in Piccadilly. My house was an hour to the, or half an hour west and office was half an hour east. And I was like, well, why do I need to go home if I can just go straight to the office? So I went straight to the office, slept on the shower room floor, woke up the next morning. I was like, what the hell? Mm. This is not normal. And I kind of walked out and a friend saw me walking out the bathroom I was like, something's changed. There's something going on in your brain. And I sat and looked around the office and I was like, I don't want to be these people. These, I've got 30, 35, 30, 35 years left of work. I don't want to be these people who don't see their families, who don't see their kids, their wives, and like, they're just working themselves to death. And that was the moment I looked, went linked back to the end of the Vietnam run. And I was like, that's the feeling I want again. So I made a decision to quit my job and that's where I started putting together running the Americas do you still get that feeling now you said you left work for that feeling mm-hmm. do you still get that feeling when you finish all of the adventures you've done up to this point they're all different when I got to the top of Aconcagua so that was just last year yeah. I cried and I think that's where that's where the kind of diversification of your adventures helps so I think when I was just running and running and running I got that runner's high all the time and I loved it. And if you watch the video uh, of running uh, the three peaks, the last day I'm running along listening to Walter Mitty at eight o'clock at night, having a wicked time. But getting to the top of Aconcagua was such a new challenge for me that when I got to the top, like the emotion took over and tears started and I'm not, I don't cry. Yeah. Um, not saying that in a macho way, I just don't. Apart from watching people win medals, in the Olympics, <laughs> apparently a couple of rom-coms when I was younger, my brothers tell me. I can't um, deal with those videos when, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen them online, if like uh, someone's come home from the army yeah. and their kid's there. That's yeah, the only, I'm like, yeah. I, I can't do it, can't watch yeah. it. This is what awful. What was that famous Olympic one where the guy broke, um, hamstring went under the final stretch and his dad came out oh, and God, helped yeah, that him down me. the last 20 and you said, oh my God, <laughs> this is all <horror." laughs> I suppose um, it's the diversification of challenges then, isn't it? To keep yeah. getting that to keep getting that feeling that you got the first time you finished a yeah. big challenge. I guess because I'm not an elite athlete, I'm not trying to win races. Mm. I'm not trying to set PBs or course records or things like that. What I'm trying to do is like look at something and go, that looks gnarly. Do I have the physical and mental ability to get to the end of it? As I was saying earlier, it's like an addiction. So you go, and it's something you really have to manage because the bigger the high, the bigger the low afterwards. And you have to manage that, which may be where the thought process was coming. Let's just keep doing adventures, you know. Because you don't hit that low point. Let's not hit the low point, which mm. it doesn't work like that because it just accumulates and then you have to deal with a bigger problem at the end. Because this is type two fun. You are pushing yourself to to really horrible places. <laughs> and but, but as I was saying last night at this talk, you don't come back from a big adventure and tell people how beautiful the flowers were or that... You know, there was a river trickling down. You come back and tell them how gnarly it was, how you lost toenails or how you got wet and had to dig a hole in a side of a mountain to sleep. You know, you talk about the, the gnarly stuff. Everyone asks me, did you nearly die? And it's like, no, I didn't nearly die because I planned it. I'm like, mm. I, I know what I'm doing. Touch wood that carries on. Going. <laughs> I've got some adventures this year, which I'm not 100% sure about. That gnarly type two fun, it's just yeah. addictive. 
You mentioned the lows. Have you found yourself in that pit? I think because it was a low that got me into these adventures, I'm quite good at checking myself. And it is things like, you know, I do like having a glass of wine every once in a while. And I live alone in the south of France. And it's quite easy to sit there going, wow, that's, that was a whole bottle of red wine. And then you just have to go, right, no, actually, no, I, I need to... I need to bring that routine back into my life. Mm. Um, and the problem is that you do get back from adventures and you have a, a moment, like a kind of week of just relaxing. Mm. And you just have to make sure that you are good at restricting it to just that amount of time. And then you get back on the horse and get that productivity. Because what I've found is if your life has no productivity or no purpose, then we slide into this sense of mediocrity mm. and we just and we're not fulfilled so we're not happy and then we're not good for the people around us um so you just have to always make sure you're keeping that productivity level up when those people around you found out you know what you're leaving this job in pr in london which was obviously a pretty good job and you're going to go and do these things that are you know not high earners a lot of the time mm. slash take money yeah what was their feeling around that was it sort of like i'm not sure if this is a good idea or was it was like do what's best for what you think i think anyone who's looking at doing big adventures as in multi-day you're away for months and that kind of stuff you you do worry a little bit about what people are going to say and the acceptance you're going to get from people you know and that was definitely what i thought about when i was doing running the americas so i kind of adopted this thing of like you tell someone in the pub and you get their reaction and then you tell someone else so you start off with someone who you don't really know and they're like, that's awesome. Yeah, and then the so. next person, that's awesome. And then you kind of get to your friends and they're like, you know what? You're probably the only person I know who could do that. You should do it. And then when you were up and up and up. And then I got to my dad and I wrote him an email saying, dad, this is what I'm thinking about doing. Like, this is the guy who's paid for my education and, and uh, I have a good job, just be made partner. And I sent a message and he just replied, if you've got to go, you've got to go. Which was weird because the whole reason I was in that job was because of a perception I thought that he wanted me in that job so I was in that job and when I quit and I said this to my dad he went I never told you to work in the city and I was like wait and I was like oh yeah that's a, actually you never told me to work mm. and this was a self-imposed thing that I thought that that's what they thought I should be doing I've always been very close with my family but me and my dad are a lot closer now that I live yeah, in the south yeah. of France, I do adventures, he makes websites for me. <laughs> it's like he's just created, I'm going to Ecuador climbing mountains, and he's created this awesome mapped website which will track me up the mountains, talk about the elevation I've done, and it's crazy. But, you know, we never did that when I was doing financial PR. So mm. I'd say it's brought us closer together, and you learn very quickly that money is really not that important. Well, it's hugely important, but it's not important to day-to-day -day happiness, and you can make changes to your life that mean that you um you have a more fulfilled life and less money and everyone gets on board and everyone actually as i'm finding you were saying about friends all my friends now are married with kids i always feel bad like going and staying at their houses but they're always like we never go out and you like come back and tell us your stories this is awesome like we have someone coming to our house to tell us about like what living been... through you almost. yeah and that's great and then i actually get to spend time with them and their kids and actually form proper bonds with them as a family so yeah i love my life at the moment let's double up you're 80 years old you're sitting in a rocking chair in the south of france with a glass of red wine what do you hope to look back on your life and and feel about the adventures you've had 
I think that one thing which will be nice is when I am 80, if I make it to 80. Yeah, you will. Is that I will be able to say, I did this. I had the courage to do this. Speaking to other adventurers, like, I know what's happening this year. I know I have enough money for this year. Mm. I have no idea what's going to happen next year. Um, so this all may finish in a year's time. But I know that I will have spent six years at my prime doing what I wanted to do, spending time with my family, spending time doing adventures. I will be able to think I didn't waste life, which I think is a great thing. I, I, need, I need to build something that will be a legacy, not about me, just so I can sit there going, I actually did some good as well, because at the moment I'm doing it for me and I probably need to do something other people mm. there was a beach in madagascar i saw when i was out there and i was like i want to clean this beach and i'm realizing why people don't just go and clean beaches because it's massive it, it takes a lot of time yeah and uh, i'm trying to work out how you can how i can do something like that where it's going to make a difference but i have a lot of complications in life <laughs> so one thing i like with your challenges is the unsupported nature of them all and the fact that you pretty much do it all yourself. You don't go and book a B&B every night. You do it all yourself. It's all on your back, all the kit you need, your tent, everything. Was that a conscious decision from the start or was it just a more of a logistical thing when you started just like, well, there's nowhere to stay. I'm going to have to do this. Yeah, it's a logistical thing and like wanting to push yourself. But also I'm, I'm very open to the fact that Okay, most of my ventures I do sleep in tents, but when I was doing Running in the Americas, if there was a cheap hostel or a potato shed or a mechanics, I would sleep in there because it was about the running. It's not mm. about the survival. I'm not about the survival aspect. The survival aspect of being in a tent and cooking for yourself and all that is just because you have to. To go to the places I want to go to, you have to live your life like that. But, you know, one of the questions I got last night was, I watched your video about climbing Aconcagua and you were very happy the whole time and it made it look very easy. I was like, yeah, but that's because I enjoy it. So I don't want there to be restrictions of like, I have to do it in a certain way. So I have the ability to camp whenever I want. If I want to stay in a hotel, I'll stay in a hotel. Mm. If I want to stay at a friend's house, I'll stay at a friend's house. I, I'm, I'm adaptability. I'm not accountable to anyone. This is, I do this. I pay for this. All the sponsors I work with, None of them asked me to do an adventure. Okay. They support my adventures. And the reason we work together is because we both love adventure. We both love helping other people get into adventure. And um, they look at my adventure list and they're like, yeah, okay, that, that seems pretty cool. Mm. We'll support you with that. But the, the end goal is the adventure, this place to this place over this distance, let's say. bit in the middle is all malleable. It can yeah. all change. Yeah, what I find is if you... Two things. If you plan an adventure to the nth degree, it's not an adventure because you know where you're going to stay every night. You know what's going to happen. You know where the waterfalls are. You're going to know everything that's going mm. on. If you just go, I need to get from A to B, and my ethos is like, I want to get there as quickly as possible. Every day you're like, oh my God, I had no idea that I was going to be there. And that's cool. Let's go for a swim in this lake or something. But also if you, if you try and set like this is where I'm going to be every day, then you'll know as an athlete, that means you will only achieve that distance. And for me, I find, so the problem with Iceland is I got to a stage where we had to set a set limit every day. So it was only 55K we could run, which wow. sounds a bit ridiculous to do 12 days in a row. But when you get to 55K and you're feeling good, you want to keep it's, going. It's the 55 to 75 mm. that feel awesome you are like pushing yourself past where you set out that day 
um, if you have, if you're like, I'm going to stay here, you lose that. And mm. that's why I want to keep it all fluid. And then you get to discover new things about yourself. It's what adventure is, yeah. isn't it? Just being able to change and switch things up. I always find it a bit weird as well. If you do put a set cap on something, it's particularly like in a race or anything. You're saying, oh, we're going to go do a marathon. That last two miles will always feel a bit weird because your body knows you're nearly there. Yeah. And it's very strange. Like mm. if you're doing a long distance, even when you're putting a cap on 55k if you're saying right we're getting to 55k and then your body's just going to be like all right we're, we're done for the day yeah whereas if you're just sort of being a little bit more whimsical about it you can just kind of go and do what you want yeah. which is fantastic That's and the great, the, the great thing in adventuring is sometimes you have no choice to, to carry on going <laughs> i've had days where i've set out and i've got to my kilometer five or six and my body has said no can't do this mm. and you go and sit down you have a cup of coffee you eat some food, you rest, and then by the end of the day, you somehow done 65K. And you're like, you can change what your body thinks, and but allowing yourself to have that ability to move. It's like a conversation know. with your body almost, isn't it? To be like, okay, yeah. you need to chill out for a sec. Yeah. Right, and, and then you get you, going again. Yeah. It's amazing the things that you've done and the unsupported nature of it, but also the solo aspect of it and now you said you've changed your instagram bio let's say to having that solo thing there yeah. i do these adventures and yeah. i do them by myself why is that so important for you everyone does things differently normally when i start an adventure there is not another human being with me i don't have like a, a bunch of people cheering me to start an adventure i never have people at the end of an adventure this is my adventure i know i've been brought up i guess in a way that I don't want other people to be put out. Mm. This is my stuff. Like when I cycled to the end of <laughs> end of Australia, I got to Darwin and I'm like, the video is just me going, oh, that's the end. <laughs> but it's because I do it for me and I'm pushing me. And you're also, you don't feel bad because when you're doing these things, you see a very nasty side of yourself and you see a great side of yourself. And you want to share the great side of yourself. But the days when you're shouting, everything's going wrong. It's horrible. Um, and you have to deal with all the different character traits of yourself, which mm. is quite an appealing thing. And I never knew if I was going to like solo stuff. And when I left, everyone's like, but you're, the, you're that guy who loves the attention. Yeah. And then when I got into, so I kind of crept into my first wilderness and I was like, and how's this? And I was like, oh, wow. Oh, I love this. I love being alone. Uh, I now live alone in the south of France. I do all my adventures alone, but well, most of my adventures alone. I'm a, I love my own company yeah what have you discovered about yourself then doing these adventures one thing is i think a lot of people do a lot of stuff to because they want to change and when i started in 2014 i had character traits flaws that i didn't want to admit and i've done all this adventuring and i have changed as a person but what i realized is Changing your environment and your circumstances and all that kind of stuff does not just make you happy. It makes you realize who you are. It makes you realize what your flaws are. And they don't just change. You have to work on them. Just because you are unhappy here doesn't mean you're going to be happy here. You're probably still going to be unhappy. Like, I'm not, I'm not where I want to be as a person. But I now know what I need to do. So it's like a learning. Like, I know that my communication used to be awful and especially in relationships and stuff i'm trying to be better at that you know it's a very selfish thing when you're doing adventuring but i try to now think of others a bit more and 
it's a kind of voyage of discovery of who you have always been mm. and who you will always be but it's learning how to change that or kind of use that personality to its best you know we, we, we none of us are perfect it's like treating life as an adventure mate yeah that's what it is being malleable isn't it yeah being a, being adaptable to change and kind of seeing what happens at the end of it i suppose i'd be remiss if i didn't ask you and i could speak to you for hours and hours and yeah. hours but you've got to get a car up in scotland <laughs> so i can't do that um i want one very very high day on one of these adventures and one very very low day a very very high day and a very low day the problem is that they they mold together there was a, a, a day and something that happened and my mum hates me talking about it but it's kind of made me realize a negative side of this and i had to go through. so basically i was in uh, northern nicaragua i was running south and i heard that there was a guy walking around the world coming north a guy called nacho from spain and if we wanted to meet we had to meet in this town and it was 69 kilometers away and i was like i will be there to meet this guy and we'd like emails have been going back and forward through other cyclists and runners and walkers and and uh, I set off and I ran 40k and then I went to the loo and I started and it came out bright red and I just eaten and drunk a Gatorade a red Gatorade I was like wow that went through me quickly and then a kilometer later I needed a loo again and it was the most painful pee I've ever had in my entire life went again a kilometer later and I had to run for 30 kilometers peeing blood on the side of the road and everyone's like why didn't you stop it's like i was in the middle of nowhere i had no option mm. but also wanted to meet this guy and i managed to get there in the end the thing that kind of annoyed me about this moment was i met this amazing guy who was doing the exact same thing as me but slower um but he was covering the same distances per day and uh we had a burger and he told me he was taking a day off the next day and i was so absorbed by what i was doing that I'd lost the kind of context of why I was doing it. And I woke up the next day and I carried on running and ended up peeing blood for the whole of the next day and having to go to a doctor. And I didn't hold on to that moment to speak to this guy. So that was a kind of low point, but a gnarly story that I get. And then a high. So many. So many. That's really difficult. Cycling across the salt flats of uni will always go down as one of the most amazing things I've ever done. Mm. And it wasn't planned. It just was It's like every single person I met said, you can't do this. It's not possible. It's not possible. And I found one German guy who had a monster truck thing and he said I could do it. And I arrived at the edge of this and we're talking about something like 10,000 square kilometers. It's huge. And all you could see was the sky thing. And this little man said, do you know where you're going? And I was like, no, not really. And he goes, just that mountain, just aim at it and cycle there for five hours and you should get there. And I did it and I arrived at this little island with this little lady and I was like, that was the most amazing experience I've had. With James Bond in your ears. James Bond in your ears. <laughs> so, yeah, but, that, but then every time you do a trail run yeah. like, and you're running down a mountain, that's like the biggest high you're ever going to get in life, mm. especially if you're chasing someone in front of you and to beat them or the moments of people helping you this. I've done 30,000 kilometers in 28 or 30 different countries. I've never had a bad exchange with another human being. Uh, I've been taken in and looked after. If I had people drive past me 
go to the next time, buy a sandwich and bring it back for me. I've pe- had people just give me money to buy a, a night in a hotel. Or... I've just had the most amazing generosity from people. Humanity so... is amazing. And in a time where, you know, we focus on the bad and intrinsically that's a thing, isn't mm. it? We focus on the bad because we're interested in the bad. When you're doing things like you've done, it's like, well, no, actually people are, people are very good. If people see someone who is obviously struggling or alone there are people who will reach out and you and it is really hard because you, you have all this and then you walk down the street and you see a homeless person and you walk past them and you're like why did i walk past that person mm. and then you're like because they're sitting there on a mobile phone smoking a cigarette and you're like that's the wrong thing and you start to hate yourself for it and you have to like it's very difficult you because you receive so much you feel guilty when you're not giving it out at the same level of every single person you've met you want to be giving all of that back to people Mm. and that's not possible if someone's listening to this now and like you've made a massive change in your life over the past five and a half years and they're thinking you know what i'm i'm relating to this i'm sitting in this job that i don't want to be doing i'm seeing people wander around the office and i don't want to be that person in 20 years time if you could say one thing to them a bit of advice what would you say if i was not wanting to make adventure my career i think there is there is a very nice balance i think First, if you're in a job and it's a, to you it's a toxic environment, then you've got to get out of that. I think if you're in any toxic environment, get out of it, relationship, friendship, job, or wherever you're living. You want to be make sure you're in a positive place. A lot of people think, oh, yeah, I'm just going to quit everything and go on a really long adventure and I'm going to be really happy. That is not true. That's not how it works. You have to be happy as a person to be happy. So I would say if you love adventuring, then just make adventuring more part of your life and do more mini adventures, but working in a job that you feel fulfilled in. And I think I'm at the extreme, Mm. but I don't think that extreme makes everyone happy. So I think there is a nice balance. So I'd say rather than thinking, I'm going to jack it all in and go and do this, I would say I'm going to make adventure a bigger part of my life while making fundamental changes to how I live my life. A big thank you to Jamie once again for joining us on the podcast. He had a really busy tour schedule when we managed to intercept him in Liverpool. So thank you to Jamie again for taking some time. I know he's got some really cool things planned in the not too distant future. So if you don't follow him on social media, go and do that now. And whilst you're on Instagram following Jamie, follow us as well. We are at Why in the World Pod. Uh, lots of stuff gets posted up there, little clips of the shows. And we've got some cool announcements coming in the not too distant future on there as well. Of course, we will follow you back. Once again, that is at Why the world pod and another quick thing really from me i just want to say stay safe out there be very careful i know it's a very very strange time in the world right now i hope the show gives you a little bit of escapism if you are stuck in the house but stay safe and uh yeah we'll catch you again in another couple of weeks